0: This is Pete Moore. I want to tell you about a company that is going to change the entire recruiting in the Halo sector. Companies called Gameplan, wearegameplan.com. What they do is they connect employer brands with D1, D2, D3 athletes across the country. They power the software that allows these employers to get in front of tens of thousands of athletes. If you watch the NCAA tournament, the hustle, grit, preparation, determination, and absolute desire to win embodies every athlete out there. Now you're going to be able to put your brand in front of those athletes, start to get them to understand after their college career, they can get into the halo sector, go work at a studio, a health club, a fitness equipment company, supplements, anything related to this industry, they can now parlay those skills and bring it into the sports and fitness industry that we are going to have the best athletes become the best employees and create the best companies. And that is the future of Halo. One, two, three, Halo. We are GamePlan.com. Check it out.
1: This is Pete Moore on Halo talks. NYC coming in from Western Canada out of Vancouver, Emory safe sweat. Good to have you on buddy. All right, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so why don't you talk about your personal background, how you're well-positioned to do what you're doing, and so many unique things that are going to happen once this uh, platform launches.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, actually, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, spent most of my life out there, family of doctors and lawyers, uh, but I was a sports guy. I, I love my sports. I grew up playing basketball, turned into football, went on to play college ball at uh, Claremont McKenna College, where I ended up graduating with a business degree, a- economics degree. So at that point, you know, so mind you, I I um, have a doc and my dad who's a doctor, my oldest brother, who's a lawyer, my older brother, who's another doctor, my younger brother, who's another doctor, and my sister who P- has her PhD and is a professor. And my dad sits me down, he says, okay, so, are you going to be a doctor or a lawyer? And I said, I'm going to be a trainer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that went over well with their, uh, you know, what they want to tell people at a cocktail party, right? Oh, 100%. They were so excited to hear that. Yeah, right, right, right. They <laughs> said, so we did, we were, we, were, we were like, it's like a four out of five dentists, you know, on like a Crest commercial.
2: <laughs> so. Nice. Um yeah, so I uh became a trainer at 24 Hour Fitness uh under the Mark Mastoff era. And uh I was able to Mm -hmm. learn a lot. Um I also was able to continue, you know, I I wanted to play college ball, then play professionally. That didn't work out. So I ended up turning that into bodybuilding while I was Mm -hmm. a personal trainer. Uh I know really, really healthy. (laughs) And then and then as I was doing that, I realized um I actually had a better passion for something healthier, which was MMA. So I became a professional
1: fighter. Gotcha. So talk a little bit about Safe Sweat and how that kind of is a um, coronation, if you will, of like everything you've done on the personal training side and, you know, how you optimized yourself and how that kind of translates into how to train people effectively. Yeah, absolutely. So,
2: you know, I, I, you know, I, I started as a trainer and I became, you know, I worked my way up to the president role. And I was in many different markets. And in those markets, you know, I personally was involved with tons of sales or tons of sales training. And, you know, we used to always tell our clients, hey, or or, or our team members, when somebody has an objection, you get to their why, right?
1: Right. And you did,
2: you peel back the onion and you get to their why and you get there and their why was usually... I'm insecure or I don't like the way I look or I I need to lose weight before I join the gym. And there were many reasons why people would say they wouldn't join the gym. Mm -hmm. Well, we were taught to overcome those objections, get them anyways. Believe me, I was a closer and they would join and they would cancel. They would walk out the door and the penetration when you think about fitness as a whole is the same percentage that it was 20 years ago it hasn't grown. And Mm -hmm. so my partner and I, we were like, why is the fitness industry not getting more members in these gyms and studios? And so we got to a point where we realized there's only really two options in the fitness industry. The first option is you join a public space, studio or gym, or second, you have a digital online or home option. Mm -hmm. There's no in-between. And so when we started really working on safe sweat. Initially, it was a concept for the pandemic. But the reason we did it, the reason we decided to push forward is because there is a huge, a very large demographic of underserved people that have been saying for years, I don't want to work out in a social environment. I don't want to do a class. I would rather work out on my own.
1: And that's how we got to the safe sweat concept. Gotcha. You know, when you take a look at the, um, the industry in general, I think when I started which is back in 99, uh, we kind of leaned in and a lot of the advertising was, you know, body transformation and that's probably 80% of the reason why at the time people wanted to go, you know, to a health club to change the way they looked. Um, and we did that very effectively with golds. And I think as more and more locations came on and they were trying new marketing tactics, we kind of lost like the primary reasons why people want to change their life, and the fact that they will pay a lot of money to do that. And the weight loss industry proves that people are willing to pay. You know, if you take a look at some of these home meal plans, you know, people could be paying a thousand bucks a month, you know, to to eat better. Eat better. They could go. There's groups that are in the boot camp industry, you know, weight weight loss boot camp that charge you like. 500 bucks a month, you know, so that's like the actual value and everything else kind of like filters back from that. I feel like, um, so you're coming in at $150 monthly membership, you know, price point, you know, how, how do you, how did you get to that? And how do you think you could sell through to have people understand, you know, this is a much better value and yeah, you could go to one of these health clubs at 25 or 30 bucks a month, but you know, you kind of like going to a self-serve, you know, fill up your tank.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, great question. You know, I I know a lot of uh, people we've been talking to in the industry have been asking the same question. And, you know, usually they look at me as that ex bodybuilder fighter. And what they don't realize is I'm all about the numbers. And when I was building out the financial model for Say Sweat, Um, I wanted us to get to a price point. We're averaging over 200 bucks a member. And right now the members or these potential members are selecting their pre-sale membership. Our mix right now is at $188 average per unit. And what you said with the 150, that's the introductory lowest membership they can purchase. And so we feel that people out there will pay a premium to have their own space, private space, with high-end equipment, as well as digital content. The digital content has gotten better over the years, but these people that are using them, they still have to use them at home. They still have to use their own equipment and their own body weight, they get bored. And so now they get to go somewhere where they have everything the best of in their own room with their own space. So
1: right now, not a single person is flinching on that price point. So explain to us when you say they have everything they need, do you have a, do you have a bricks and mortar location as yep. well as, or and what are you doing at home? Are they getting drop ship like TRX straps or, you know, like what are they buying in order to do the workouts at home?
2: Yeah. So the membership, so mainly it's bricks and mortar and they're going to have digital content, which is on their app, as well as on the big screen TV inside their own fit suite. So they'll get the fit suite. They'll go inside. They have the equipment all around them. They have the TV, they pick the workout they want and they go for it. it. If they decide they want to work out at home, they can also purchase equipment as well as they'll have the app access to the digital fitness content at home as well.
1: Got it. Okay, so you basically have like a a product kit that you're selling at point of sale. That's going to say, hey, in addition to this membership, if you want to basically optimize your digital, here's a, we're going to drop ship you, what does that include? Is it kettlebells? dumbbells, elastic straps, TRX, like what are they getting? So we'll stay less away from that. It'll be
2: more basic. Um, we're, we're focusing more on the memberships in the studio itself, as well as you mentioned, um, you know, the, and the members that buy online memberships, we'll have members that can't access the studio itself because we'll sell out of memberships and they'll be able to buy online access instead. Got
1: it. Okay. So, you know, when you think about starting this business, you know, where's the first location and what kind of research did you do around that? You know, for our fellow entrepreneurs who have an instinct to do something, you know, how much data did you use? Because you're you're, you know, you're you're an analytics guy, but you're also in the industry and you also know, okay, I've got a, a five mile radius, I got density. Um, how'd you pick this first location?
2: Yeah. So the first location, um, number one, density, number two, Growth of that density. Uh, so build out of future homes, townhomes, as well as looking outside of Vancouver and saying where is uh where are all the residents starting to move to? You know, in Vancouver itself, uh it, it, nobody wants to live in the heart of Vancouver anymore. So they moved to West Van and to North Van. And then they then they started trying to find a different place and they started coming down south um into South Surrey. And so we we, that was the first thing we did. The second thing we did was we started researching all of the competition, uh, in the local community and we started talking to them. <laughs> I, I wear safe sweatshirts at the local gyms and I talked to members all the time. The other day there were four people wearing safe sweatshirts. So we've done that, but you know, as, as you mentioned that, I mean, the truth is We've been doing research, you know, all around Canada as well as the United States. the The plan is definitely to continue to grow this, uh, because we know there are plenty of markets that would
1: be looking for a concept like this. Gotcha. When you look at the competition, just so people can kind of calibrate how you think about it, um, if you've got a, a Planet Fitness or a Good Life or I don't know if they changed the name into Steve Nash clubs up there. Um, do you view their personal training departments as a competitor? Or do you say, look, if somebody actually wants to be serious, and also in this, this time that we're in right now, it's very hard to staff up personal training inside of health clubs because there's nobody wants to work. And, and you obviously had a lot of, um, you know, COVID shutdowns more in Canada than you did here. Um, or do you kind of say, hey, look, there's like, if there's an F45 and an orange theory, that's actually a good thing because I know that people are willing to pay up for their membership, and maybe they can kind of transition from a group exercise setting to a more personalized setting with you guys. So, how do you think it? Because sometimes competition's good because they basically have seeded the market with a price point that is helpful to you. Absolutely, um, Pete. We don't have competition.
2: <laughs> here, here, here's here's the thing: is we. have designed this concept to be first to market. And what I mean by that is I wasn't even going to put training in the beginning. I wasn't, we weren't going to even offer training in the beginning because we want to develop a franchise that is simple. The hardest thing for these franchises to do is hire, recruit, develop, and keep these coaches and instructors. We eliminated that. So not only are we more profitable than any studio out there, but we're easier to run. And so when we talk about competition, I actually, just like you said, welcome other gyms and studios around us, because that's what's happening. I've talked to hundreds of members of these other studios, and I said, what do you think about this concept? And they've, many of them have said, it's something that I will add on in addition to my other studios and my other memberships, because- I go to spin here and then I go to yoga here and then I'm going to
1: go to you to do resistance training. You mentioned, it's interesting. We, um, we were working on a deal with the orange theories down in Texas and the private equity firm that got involved, wanted to do uh, a a member study. And one of the questions on the member study was, um, is this your primary and only, um, membership and 45% of the people, said that they have another membership either on hvlp 2.0 or a high-end concept or a, a planet fitness type of concept and they viewed their eight workouts a month at orange theory as kind of the uh foundation of, of what they were doing or the primary workout and then they were basically supplementing that with additional whether it's class pass and they were going to some trying some other modalities or they were just going to a gym to work out during the other time so I do think we're in this era of multiple memberships on behalf of of people that are are in our orbit. And then the question is, like you said, does that turn into 30 to 40% of the population instead of fifteen to 20%? Absolutely, absolutely. So what, you know, you got a business partner, you said? I do. So talk about for a minute for the entrepreneurs here that are, you know, thinking through their cap table or like, hey, I got a co-founder, I've done several businesses where I'm the only, you know, uh, sole provider of capital or, you know, own own 100%. And, you know, that could be lonely Um, when things are going well. It's awesome. Um, Don't don't get me wrong when it's not going well. And there's a capital call. You know, you're the only guy that can put the capital in. And then there's also partnerships where you've got an operator and you've got an investor and, you know, the investor wants to see certain returns and the operator is like, look, it takes longer than you think to actually build a real business. So what's your relationship with your, with your founder partner and, you know, without getting too specific, like what were some of the guardrails you want to kind of put around that relationship or thinking about like equity splits and who's bringing what to the table? Absolutely. So
2: I I think the best way to put this is um, my partner is somebody that I worked with in the past. Her name is Andrea Klogman. She has been amazing in the fitness industry, similar experience, was formerly a vice president and is incredible with service. And so when I came up with this concept, um, I was in the middle of interviews. I lost my job as a president because of COVID and I was in a place I've never been before. And so I was sitting there interviewing and interviewing for the same type of job. When it finally hit me, I need to do my own thing. So I told my wife, hey, I'm gonna do my own thing. And then I
1: well, that was a great, great comment.
2: <laughs> well, I said, Hey, I'm turning down all these jobs. We're not gonna get paid for the next couple of years. That's probably a
1: podcast name. on its own where I bring like four or five of you on. It's like how to tell your significant other you're becoming an entrepreneur. She was like Absolutely. the do's and don'ts and shit that I should never have said, and maybe I shouldn't have said everything that might happen down this roller coaster dude, are you kidding me? I mean, Dave, do mid- that, write that down Is an are idea. Are you kidding please. me? That'd Absolutely. Lonely, we're going to do that. In the, <laughs> in Definitely the go,
2: middle, I mean, Pete, in the middle <laughs> of a pandemic where fitness was looked at like the bad child, <laughs> I said, I'm not going to uh, take this job and I'm going to do my own thing. So, you know, I, I came up with the concept safe sweat. I text my, she was a friend and she was also in a similar type position where she was looking for a next role And I text her, I said, Hey, I got it. Yeah. And she goes, What? And I said, Imagine a tanning salon, but instead of a tanning salon, it's the little gym's. Yeah. And she sent me the eye rolling emoji. And so I like those. So I drew it, I drew it on a napkin really quick. And I took a picture and I sent it to her. And she called me and she goes, Okay, what what what's this now? What, What is this idea? And so I told her, and she's like, let's do it. Yeah. And so when when you're asking, you know, for my fellow entrepreneurs or those that are trying to be, we don't have money. The two of us, we bootstrapped this thing. Are you kidding me? I I had to beg. I had to beg for a senior manager at the bank to just hear me out. I said, please just listen to me for five minutes. And I promise you by the end, you will like what I'm presenting you. Five minutes in, five minutes in, she stops me and she goes, Emery, who did uh, this business plan for you? And I said, we did. And she goes, um, no, I mean, the financial, the pro forma, who wrote that up? And I said, I did. And she goes, with who helped you? And I'm like, nobody. I'm like, look at my background. Yeah. An hour later, she calls me and she says, hey, I'm going to make this happen for you. 30 days later, we got the loan. Sweet. So the part uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Good. That's what I tell people.
2: That's the first stop. (laughs) The partner I got is all about trust and somebody that I have her back. She has my back and we have been putting in, I'm not joking, man. I'm not joking. 17 hour days where we are grinding because everything
1: depends on this. Right. So it was, for me, it was all about trust. Love it. All right, man. Well, in closing, you want to, um, we'll have all your information in the show notes, but do you have any, uh, any quotes or short stories or words of wisdom or things that pop in your head when you're, uh, when you need some motivation or know that you're making progress, even though it doesn't feel like it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: you know, I, I know people use this quote. I think they use and abuse it. You know, the Steve jobs quote about, you know, the people that think they're uh, that can, they can change the world, right? The crazy people are the ones that actually do. Yeah. Um, Pete, you know, the truth is we didn't give a shit about what anyone else thought and we pushed yeah. forward. And so
1: I I'm telling you what, Pete, if that's not fucking crazy, I don't know what is. Well, look, man, I, in closing here, great to, great to catch up with you. I'm psyched for your launch. And I will let you know, and everyone else that's listening to this podcast, I've been called crazy for the last 20 years, bro. So (laughs) it is what it is, right? Uh, My mom thought I was crazy, so I was like a health club broker. So I was going to sell health clubs. And she didn't think that was like a (laughs) full-time job. And then we launched this Halo term, and everyone's like, no one's going to use that. Oh, they are now. You know, you don't launch a podcast. Who's going to listen? Launches Academy. Who's going to go to it? You're crazy to do that. And, man, just follow, like, what you think is right back it up with a little bit of data so at least you know you're not fully crazy yourself but i agree man i ask people when they say that by the way and i and i say is that good crazy or bad crazy and they're like you know what dude it's actually good crazy so if you could quantify the crazy like caliber of it like it's good crazy oh keep doing what you're doing
2: dude man i'll tell you what for all those listeners out there i'll tell you what go you know what's crazy but, the fucking numbers on this are crazy. Whoo. Wait right, till you, well, you see the numbers say, on this. You can say that
1: before you put out your franchise disclosure document. Don't <laughs> say it afterwards someone's going to knock on your door. But, uh, yeah, focus on that first location, man, because in franchising, everything's about what's the unit economics. Yep. And if you just get the special sauce right, then it becomes a system. Then it becomes replicable. You know, So I told somebody the other day, Um, he told me he was doing something he was going into these different states and i'm using this term from football like bro you're out kicking your coverage okay (laughs) like reel this shit back a little build to one location get it right spend all your time there and then you can franchise it you know so all right man mr crazy mr crazy good hanging out with you (laughs) safesweat.com april 2022 dave get a book to him and uh Let's see what happens, and then we'll uh, we'll get back on that podcast that we're going to do about the significant other, and then we'll do an update in the year on the uh, franchise loss, uh, uh, franchise launch, which will be highly curated, and make sure we don't trip any legalities on promises <laughs> we're going to make on uh, on the safe sweat unit economics. Hundred percent. Good Thank luck, you, Yo, good to see you, man. Thanks for being a listener, dude. I love what you're doing. Keep Absolutely.
2: Thank Keep you. Going. Peace.